Hello and welcome to The Shovel, a podcast brought to you by Property Leaders Brisbane, an independent and vibrant community open to professionals working in the property and construction industry. The Shovel is a natural extension of the conversations we have at our events, where we share and debate ideas and inspire positive change in our city. Welcome back again to The Shovel and the first episode of Season 4. Who'd have thought we'd have made it this far? I'm Matthew Mackey, Executive Director at Arcadis and Chair of Property Leaders Brisbane. For those of you who caught our bonus episode at the end of Season 3, you will have heard former Lord Mayor Graham Quirk where he talked about bringing an Olympic and Paralympic Games to Brisbane. So what better way to start Season 4 than interview the current Lord Mayor, Adrian Schrinner. Welcome to The Shovel Podcast and thank you for joining us today, Adrian. Oh, it's fantastic to be on. Thanks for having me. We've obviously gone through a number of questions, so let's just try and dive straight into it because there's kind of a lot to unpick with the 2032 Olympics. And as we discussed with Graham at the end of last season, the vision for the original bid was pioneered by Graham. But as the current Lord Mayor, what is your vision for the 2032 Olympics? Well, Graham's vision and the vision of the mayors at the time when they started this process, I think it was back in about 2015 from memory, is absolutely my shared vision as well. I was part of the team at the time. I was the deputy mayor for Graham. And so 100% on board with the reasons for, you know, I guess putting our hand up in the first place, exploring those feasibility studies that we had to do, investing that money up front. And so, yeah, there's, there's an absolute shared vision there. And when the changeover happened and Graham retired and I stepped up, it was, you know, there was no question in my mind that this was the right thing to do and the best thing for Brisbane to do. So it was full steam ahead. So what do you say then with that? I mean, like you said, it, the original idea kind of germinated and started in 2015 with those campaigns. But with the motivation and goals that were formed as part of that original bit, are they still relevant today or have things kind of subtly shifted over the last eight years? Well, I think they're even more relevant. One of the challenges that the Council of Mayors were always discussing, and we were discussing back in 2015, was the growth of the region and how we can keep up with the growth of the region, how we can ensure that the infrastructure is built and the facilities that need to be built, the investment is made. Yet since 2015, despite going through a pandemic and and a flood recently, the growth has only increased. And so we're now the fastest growing capital city in Australia and we're at the heart of one of the fastest growing parts of Australia. So the, the rate of growth has increased, which means the original reasons that we considered the Olympics are even more important today. It was about effectively not bidding for a games or an event that would be run over a couple of weeks and then the Paralympics after for another couple of weeks. It was about how do we get investment that our region needs on an ongoing basis, Mm. the better transport facilities, infrastructure and facilities that needed to be upgraded, That was the motivation in 2015. It's even more relevant today. So what do you think are the the challenges, the great challenges that we have facing us right now in terms of delivering that promise? Two challenges, I think. One is the clock is ticking. And every week that goes by is a week that brings us closer to 2032. And we're really conscious that it would be a big mistake to think that we've got a lot of time. Mm. Yes, we have more time than other cities have been given but we're going to need all the time that we've been given to make sure that everything is done that needs to be done. So time is obviously a critical factor and, you know, we're already 
over 12 months in is approaching, I think it's 18 months yeah. now from when we were awarded the Olympics. And, you know, I, I must admit I, I'm not entirely comfortable with the progress that has been made in those 18 months. Mm. I, I would have liked to have seen more happen. So time is definitely something we'll be continually fighting against. The other thing, though, is just the changing nature of the global environment and, you know, the pandemic has created challenges with global supply chains. It's created inflationary pressures. And that flows to everything that we do. So if we're upgrading transport, if we're building facilities, all of these things now are more expensive than they would have been 12 months ago. And we see that just, you know, if someone's uh, renovating their own home, they're feeling those cost pressures. Um, and the same applies for major infrastructure that needs to be built. So cost estimations of projects and, and facilities that were made 12, 18 months ago, two years ago, are now becoming very much out of date because mm. of those pressures. Now, I think we'd all like to believe that inflation will subside and that costs will come down, but we don't know that. We do not know whether costs mm. will come down or whether they'll stay at this high level. Mm. And so right in this planning phase that we're in now for all of these facilities and projects that need to be built, that is a major factor and a major mm. challenge. So I think that kind of leads nicely onto the next question, which actually refers to the pandemic, which is, you know, you just commented on it on a minute ago. But in terms of tourism, tourism is obviously a big part of southeast Queensland and Queensland as a whole. For It's been a big part of our overall economy. That's obviously taken a bit of a hit in the last couple of years, what with the floods and uh, certainly the pandemic. Do you think we're still going to see an impact on that in terms of international travel and tourism over the next few years? And do we think that could potentially leach into 2032 as well? I think the, de the pandemic has only increased the demand for international travel. People after, you know, those periods of, of isolation and border closures and lockdowns are keen to get out and explore the world. The challenge now is getting the available flights. And th this is a challenge today. Uh, we've all seen the cost of airfares go up significantly. It's pretty ridiculous. And so getting that airline capacity back up and running again, it's not something that happens overnight. One figure that I was told by the Brisbane airport is that prior to the pandemic, there was something like 30 different airlines coming to Brisbane, the Brisbane International Airport. And as a result of the pandemic, that number is halved. So half the number of airlines coming here, that will build up again over time, but obviously that will be a process. And so we're really keen to see that capacity come back online. I know the traveling public is keen to see that mm. capacity come back online. But it's really, it's not a problem of the demand for travel. The demand is there, it's massive, it's, it's more than ever. It's just the supply side, the ability to provide seats in and out of cities like Brisbane, that's mm. the challenge. But that'll well and truly be in the rearview mirror by the time the Olympics come around. That's something that I believe will be sorted out in the next couple of years. So just moving on to the delivery of the 2032 Games themselves, there appears to be or maybe that's being cleared up now and you can shed some light on it, but there appears to have been some confusion about who's actually leading the delivery of the Games, whether it's council or state government or a combination of the two. What do you think is going to be the best approach for delivering the 2032 Games? It was always meant to be a partnership yeah. and that's the way we're proceeding going forward and the different levels of government have been working well together. Obviously we had a change of federal government and mm. there's a settling in process that needs to happen there and re-establishing those connections to make sure that the three-way relationship between the federal government, state government and local government is working well, but it's always been a partnership. So in terms of who's responsible, we're all responsible. Mm. Uh, we're all invested 
we all want to do it together as a partnership. There will be certain elements of the games delivery that different partners will lead. So there will be things that the state government will lead, there'll be things that local councils will lead, and that's really in the main dependent on who owns the asset. So, for example, the Victoria Park project that we've got underway and that we're gearing up, that will be a temporary equestrian venue in the 2032 Olympics. Uh, we'll be leading that process. Uh, it's our asset. We'll be leading the planning and an investment for that. When it comes to the GABA, that's a state-owned facility. They'll be mm. leading that process in partnership with the federal government. I know they're mm. talking funding at the moment. Yeah. So depending on ownership of assets, that will depend on individual projects who's leading, but overall it's a partnership approach. And I think that's the right thing to do. You yeah. get the best outcome. And obviously, I mentioned the three government partners, private sector and industry is another really vital partner that we're keen to make sure are involved. Yeah. I mean, probably just a good segue with that would be just about the city deal that was announced earlier last year. Do you think that's going to help in terms of the collaboration, the cooperation between the three levels of government? For sure. This is another thing that was championed by the Council of Mayors for many years. And in fact, I think they started work on the city deal before they even started work on the Olympics proposal. So oh, that's that, how long it's been in germination. That was even longer yeah. than um, the Olympic proposal in terms of germination and coming to reality. But the having an arrangement in place that has the federal government, state government and local government agreeing to a set of projects, prioritising those projects and then funding those projects is, I think, the holy grail when it comes to politics in mm. Australia. We have you know, probably one too many level of government. This is just my personal opinion. Oh, there's plenty of people uh, who'd agree uh, with you. So, <laughs> so uh, I think, you know, two is the sweet spot and everyone has a different view on which two it should be. Mm. Um, but because we have three levels of government, that can create a lot of tension on priorities, a lot of different priorities. Government's going in different directions, the different levels of government mm. going in different directions. So having it, those three on the same page, agreeing to priorities mm. is fantastic. Yeah. Now, in terms of the Southeast Queensland city deal, we've got an establishment deal which has a period of four to five years in terms of the first stage of that. But what it effectively does, and probably the simplest way to look at it, is it provides a framework by which other things can be added into. And that's mm. very much the aim. So the framework is there, it's just been established. The initial investment of funding has occurred and then we see further funding and further projects being added into that now that the framework is being geared up. So or maybe an even simpler way of looking at it, it's it's a bucket mm. um, which has a certain amount in it at the moment and that bucket can continue to be filled up mm. with agreement of all the three parties. So yeah, it's a really good thing for the region and will be transformative over over that you know longer term period. That's great. I think um, personally I'm thrilled that we got the city deal over the line it looked like for a while it wasn't going to happen. It, there was a lot of back and forth in terms of who it was sat with and who was responsible for it not getting there. But good that we finally got there. And if it supports you know, the delivery for the Olympics, then even better. You mentioned Victoria Park, and I suspect that's what you'll come back to. But do you have a favourite concept or a preference for what should be explored further as a, as a matter of priority, whether that's part of the, the city deal or just as the Olympic Delivery Authority in general? Well, there were lots of great ideas put forward by the community recently mm. through this inner spark process. You know, some some which were a little bit controversial, um, some which people may think might have been a bit far-fetched, but that's exactly what we wanted. We wanted people to not be limited by the day-to-day -day considerations, think big, come up with big, bold ideas. Mm. And so they certainly did that. 
Now, obviously, that doesn't mean that all of those ideas will become reality, but you can see a number of themes that came through uh, some of the Innes Park ideas. And a big theme which was consistent was the importance of public space and connectivity, connections across the city, and also greening of the city and greening mm. of that public space. So the idea of, of a green spine, which basically connects different precincts in the city, that I think is something that will really get legs and, and continue to gear up. That's something that we're really looking at. But there's a whole range of other ideas we're investigating as well. But definitely improving connectivity and also greening the city, they're two things which I have no doubt will come out of this process. Property leaders did actually have a couple of concept ideas that we nominated and were showcased on that list as well, as there were for many other consultants and developers around town and, and individuals. Yeah, some of the ideas were pretty fantastic. I suppose it's a measure of, one, how passionate people are around, particularly around Brisbane and, and its future potential, but how much of that do we think we can actually get wrapped up as part of the 2032 and almost use 2032 as that kind of that motivation to do some of this stuff that we probably wouldn't get to otherwise. Yeah, and these events, these major international events, do have a habit of bringing things to life that might not have otherwise mm. be brought to life or might have taken longer. On the way over here to come and talk to you, we walked through the Queen Street Mall and that was actually built in time for the 1982 Commonwealth Games. So that wow. was actually a legacy project mm. of the Commonwealth Games when it was held here. And so we just celebrated a, a big milestone mm. um, for the Queen Street Mall. It's just a, a simple example of how these major events, whether it's the yeah. Olympics, the Commonwealth Games, Expo 88, you know, another thing from the Commonwealth Games, the, the Sleeman Centre precinct out at Chandler, that mm. will be used in the Olympic Games in 2032. It was a legacy of the 1982 Commonwealth Games. Obviously, there'll be investment required in mm. that, but... Yeah, there's so many great examples of these legacies to come out of major international events. And, you know, that's why we're so excited about yeah. the Olympic opportunity. Yeah, and it, it's definitely exciting. I've been, you know, do you, when you start talking about those legacy projects that we can still see to this day and are still being utilised, it's amazing what these major events can do for a city like Brisbane. And even aside from that, I've been in Brisbane now for, for 12 years and the amount of change I've seen in the CBD alone just in that 12 years is, is phenomenal. Certainly more than what you'd see in Sydney, more than what you see in Melbourne, probably more than what you'd see in London. I lived in London for a while. So it is exciting to see where the city's kind of moved to and what, what's a relatively short space of time and what it could move to over the next, you know, the next decade up to 2032 and beyond. That's right. I mean, the pace of change in Brisbane has been extraordinary. Mm. And, you know, one of the things that we always have a challenge with in promoting the city. So we've got our Brisbane Economic Development Agency, uh, which is a council-owned entity aimed at you know, marketing and promoting Brisbane, getting investment. They have a suite of products which they provide to local businesses and residents to use of things like hero images of Brisbane that yeah. can be freely used. But they have to keep updating these every year because the skyline keeps changing so mm -hmm. much. And when you think about all the construction underway, a photo taken six months ago of Brisbane is out of date now, mm. today, and then in another six months' time it'll be out of date. It shows the pace of change we're having. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned it before about you know, it's been 18 months since the, uh, the Olympics were awarded to Brisbane and South East Queensland and that you're a little bit frustrated by the, the, the slow pace of, of change and, and, and movement in terms of delivery. Have you seen anything shift like in the last few months that is showing the beginning to gather pace on this or, or is there still a kind of 
malaise in terms of moving things forward at the pace we need to? Look, I am optimistic. I think a part of the challenge was the lead up to the federal election and then the the follow on period in mm. terms of a change of government. When you when you need all three levels of government working together and making decisions, elections um, don't help. Elections <laughs> don't help that. So a part of it can be put down to the yeah. fact that we had an election, and it, you know it's there's always a significant period of months in the lead up mm. to an election where decision-making tends to slow down yeah. and, and, and things are, I guess, put off until after the election. Mm. And then with the change of government, obviously, a new government getting their feet under the table, working out, you know, what their priorities are, what they're going to do on particular issues. So that's been part of the, yeah. the challenge. So I'm optimistic we're, we're now into a new phase where everyone's stepping up and keen to resolve issues and keen to move forward. Always a bit of a controversial one, but let's talk quickly about the GABA, which I know you've already said is a, is a state asset, but bearing in mind it's for the 2032 Games, I'm sure you have an opinion. What's your view on spending reportedly $2 billion or more to deliver what is principally the same asset? First of all, I'd say that it's not the same asset. There's been, I guess, a, a bit of discussion about the seating capacity of the asset and, you know, there's not much of an increase that's proposed. I think it's 4,000 seats or something like yeah, that. Yeah, and so I'm aware that that sort of contributes to the debate on what's well, essentially the same. I think it's important to go back to first principles, which is we don't want to do anything for the Olympics that is not something that can be used by the community on an ongoing basis or something that the community needs on an ongoing basis. Mm -hmm. So if you're investing in transport, you don't invest in it for the Olympics. You invest in it for... Southeast Queensland's population and, mm. and, and know, beyond, the ongoing beyond needs the Olympics, of the yeah. city. And the same goes with sporting facilities. You don't upgrade or you don't build a brand new stadium for the Olympics. Mm. You build a stadium for Brisbane. You build a stadium for Southeast Queensland, uh, one that will be used on an ongoing basis, week in, week out. So the GABA is generally used more than 40 weeks of a year. Uh, for a whole range of events, whether it's cricket, whether it's AFL, whether it's major concerts, mm. other kinds of events. So it's used on an ongoing basis today. If you have a look at uh, modern stadium uh, stadia around Australia and around the world, the Gabba really doesn't cut it. It's not up to the current standards yeah. expected for hosting major events and, and, and I mean on an ongoing basis. So whether it's, whether it's international cricket, whether it's, you know, concerts, there's there's a lot of deficiencies of the GABA. Mm. Now, whether you upgrade it in three years' time or whether you upgrade it in 10 years' time, it will need an upgrade. Mm. That's the reality. So yeah. I think what we're seeing here is that the GABA, the upgrade that the GABA needed is being brought forward. Mm. Now, if you were just building a brand-new facility for the Olympics and for no other purpose other than the Olympics, you'd start with a greenfield site you'd find cheap land, you'd build it at a, at a cheaper price somewhere else, but that wouldn't serve anyone's purposes on an ongoing basis. Yeah. And I think that was one of the challenges they found in Sydney mm. where they built the main stadium significantly away from the heart of Sydney and they built it at a huge capacity, uh, over 100,000 people, and you know it rarely gets filled. It doesn't get the amount of use that they would have liked to see out of that facility. And so the beauty of the Gabba is its location, right so close to the heart of everything. So it's literally 
with the new Kangaroo Point Green Bridge that we're building. It will be within walking distance of the city. Uh, it'll have a train station. It'll have a Brisbane metro station. It's right in the heart of such a vibrant precinct, close to everything. You couldn't think of a better location to have a major sporting stadium or a major event stadium than the Gabba. And, you know, we've got Suncorp Stadium, great rectangular stadium. Our oval stadium or round stadium needs an upgrade and mm. I just see the, the Olympics as being the opportunity to bring that upgrade forward. Okay, thank you. In terms of Brisbane's existing infrastructure, you're absolutely right in terms of saying in terms of the focus of the 2032 Olympics, we should be focusing beyond and best for what we can deliver best for Brisbane, what we can deliver for best for SEQ now, not just about the 2032 Games. But in terms of the infrastructure that we have, whether you're talking about you know, roads or rail or whatever, there's obviously quite a bit of investment that needs to, needs to happen there. And we go back to the timeline of how long do we have to actually get some of this stuff moving, if you pardon the pun. But what would be your view, whether it's Brisbane-focused or wider SEQ, from an infrastructure perspective, what do you think should be the thing we should be looking to prioritise if it's going to deliver for the 2032 Games? I think our transport needs continual investment um, to be up to scratch, not just for the Olympics, but mm. where our population needs it to be. You only have to look at Sydney to provide some important lessons on you know, how urban sprawl and rapidly growing regions and large areas. So you know, the Sydney metropolitan area is just massive and moving around that, that area is a challenge. Mm. It does affect the lifestyle of the people living distant from where they work or where their friends and family are. And so with the scale of southeast Queensland, going all the way from the Gold Coast to the Sunshine Coast, west to Toowoomba, if we don't have better transport infrastructure, we know the future that we'll have mm. and it's not a pleasant one. And so that's got to be the continued focus of investment. Now, at the moment, we've got some great projects underway, Cross River Rail, Brisbane Metro, they will be finished in a couple of years' time and up and running. But that's not the end of the, the mm. story. Further and continued investment is required. So Cross River Rail is great. It alleviates a bottleneck in the train network. Brisbane Metro alleviates a bottleneck in our busway network. That then allows more services to be fed in both on trains uh, and through busways. But continued investment is needed. So we're thinking about, well, what is the next iteration of Brisbane Metro? Where are the next areas that need rail improvements? Mm. And faster rail connections around the region are absolutely critical. And so when you start thinking of Greater Brisbane and then you go beyond to southeast Queensland, there needs to be that interregional connection. So good, fast connections between the Gold Coast and Brisbane, good, fast connections between the Sunshine Coast and Brisbane. So a lot of work mm. needs to be done on those rail networks to make them faster and more efficient. Uh, and then there's also parts of the region that don't have a connection at all. So, for example, Toowoomba needs a rail connection and focusing on how we can progressively roll that out. They're just a few examples. There's many like that, and it's all about transport and connectivity around the region. So if we don't do that, and it's not just about the games, our lifestyle will suffer. Yeah. So, so with that, in terms of making it a livable city, et cetera, and, and sustainability, how do you foresee the uh, 2032 Games supporting the long-term goal of you know, creating a more sustainable and livable city for the residents and the people who are going to be moving to Brisbane over the next 10 years? I think definitely better transport obviously leads to a more sustainable city in the way that people move around and gives people options to, to travel around more sustainably, uh, but also... 
there'll be huge investment that will continue in terms of, I guess, environmental and climate change initiatives associated with the games as well. And so to create a, a carbon positive games, which is what we have signed up to and what we're committed to, uh, you will need large scale environmental projects to be initiated. Projects that on the one hand um, help reduce the emissions and the impact that we have on our environment, but also while we've done everything we can to reduce emissions, projects to help offset the emissions that are remaining. Um, so, you know, building any new infrastructure or facilities comes with its own carbon footprint. Uh, and if that is associated with the games itself, that needs to be accounted for and it needs to be either reduced or offset. And so uh, we'll see large-scale environmental projects and, and real sustainability initiatives gearing up as a result of hosting the games. And, and that is, I guess, it's, it's similar to the investment in infrastructure. These are things that will more than likely happen anyway but they'll be fast-tracked, they'll be brought forward yep. as a result of the, yep. the game. So I'm excited about that opportunity too. And I suppose it's just a different way of thinking about something like the 2032 games is that people focus on the investment that happens for a 2032 games. And there's, as we know, there's plenty of stories around the world of things that have been overspent and things that have not worked and white elephants and, and all the rest of it. But I think taking uh, the messages from, you know, from, uh, from our discussion today, it's, it's about thinking about, well, all this stuff needed to happen anyway. The 32 games are just actually provi- just facilitating us doing it earlier, providing that impetus to, to do it sooner rather than keep putting it off, I suppose. That is exactly the way that we yeah. look at it, exactly yeah. the way that I look at it. It's, these things are required. We're a growing city, a growing region. These are all things that are needed. It simply puts a line in the sand, and so much of it then will need to be done by a certain date and it focuses everyone's attention across the three levels of government, across the private sector and industry in making sure we deliver. And it's fair to say that if we didn't have that deadline, a lot of these things would take three times as long as they would in this current circumstance. Yeah. That's been a fantastic conversation, Adrian. Thank you very much for your time and your candour on, on some of the questions that were asked as well. Just as, a, just as a final question, just a final thought we can leave people with, what is your hope for the future of Brisbane? I'm incredibly optimistic about this city and, you know, there's so many reasons to be optimistic, but also on the other side there's, you know, challenges that we can see looming with the, the pace of growth and the, the number of people coming to live here. But this Olympic opportunity gives me incredible optimism that we will respond to those challenges across the three levels of government and work together effectively. So I am incredibly optimistic, but really I guess... A simple thing, and I'll get away from infrastructure and facilities and all of those things. A simple hope that I have in the lead up to the Games and beyond is that Brisbane will be truly known around the world for the amazing place that it is. The people that live here know it, people that visit here know it, but the reality is in so many parts of the world, Brisbane is still unknown. This will all change over the coming 10 years. And I guess the the best kept secret of Australia, which is Brisbane, uh, will not be a secret anymore. And people will know just what an amazing place it is we live in. That's a great note to end on. Thank you very much. Pleasure. Thank you. The Shovel is a podcast for Property Leaders Brisbane and is kindly recorded and produced by BBS Communications Group. If you've enjoyed The Shovel, please subscribe, review and share to help spread the word.